Um, glad that you're here with us this morning looking at missions. Uh, if you want to, you can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. That'll be kind of our launching point. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. Uh, may ask a couple of you to read a passage of scripture or two. Uh, don't feel like you have to. Some people don't like reading in public and I understand completely. Uh, one of the things we do in our family devotions uh, is we have each of the kids do some reading. And uh, that helps them to gain some confidence and to read things out loud uh, and to be able to read it. You know, we, we take that time to in- teach them, listen, you got to pause. You got to use some inflection. You got to, uh, you know, make sure you're reading with comprehension and, and that helps them. And uh, so they might have some confidence later in life. But uh, if you would like to, as we get a passage, I'll call out a text and you can just raise your hand and say, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll read it. And uh, none of them have any real hard genealogies. None of the passages have no, no crazy, goofy names or anything. They should be relatively, mostly well-known passages of Scripture. So we see here uh, this, the Great Commission given to us in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe All things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, it's important that everybody that's part of a church understand the philosophy behind the program. Now, I don't really like that word philosophy too much, but as it applies to uh, an understanding of why you do something, it's very important. It, it is good for a, for a church, for a member. You know, the church is made up of people. It's not the buildings. It's not the location. The church is the, the, the church family, the people of God. And it's important that the people of God have an understanding of why the church has this practice. Why does the church do this? Why do we have a missions conference every year? I mean, is it just so that we can fill a week with some type of meetings? Or is there an underlining purpose? Is there something more important behind it? Why do we every week have somebody get up and give a missions update uh, and tell us about a missionary around the world and what's going on? Uh, Why do we read the missionaries' birthdays? Every Sunday is it because we don't have enough of our own birthdays? Uh, why do we include their birthdays with our church family's birthdays? Um, why do we teach lessons on missions and put these flags up and have our missionary letters out there on the, on the wall in the in the hallway? Why do is it just because other churches do that? That's what churches do. They put their missionary letters on the, on the wall in the hallway. They need some decorations for the bathroom hallway, and so that's they put their missionary letters up there. Or is there an underlying philosophy? Is there a reason, a purpose for why we do these things? Why do we give financially to support 33 missionaries? I mean, that seems kind of ambitious. Why would you give all of these funds to go somewhere else when you have your own needs here? Well, there's a reason. It's because of this great commission. And beloved, we believe in great commission living. This morning, we want to talk about that idea of Great Commission living, Uh, not just the Great Commission as it might be seen in the scriptures, not just the Great Commission as we might hear about in junior church or Sunday school class or maybe even preach from the pulpit, but as a believer, as a Christian, Great Commission living, living the Great Commission. 
First of all, I want you to see the parameters as we talk about some of these things just to gain an understanding of what it is we're discussing. There's a lot of different places that talk about mission. There's a lot of different even groups and organizations that will discuss and talk about their mission or that they're on a mission. They have something that they want to accomplish. You even hear many people talk about uh, their missions using a very similar same term uh, and their overall under uh, philosophy and their reason for what they're doing really is a matter of reaching, uh, taking humanitarian aid or maybe medical services uh, or providing dental care uh, in a foreign country. And, And that's the mission work that they're involved in. And they describe it as a mission work. And it's a work that we go and we, we do this. And, um, but what is it when we're talking about this idea of missions? First of all, let's break this down a little bit as we look at the idea first of the mission. Just the word mission. A mission is the overall function of the church as it relates to what God teaches the purpose of a church is. So our mission as a church, the overall function, what we do as a church is to be guided. Our overall mission is to be guided by what the word of God says we're to be doing as a church. It's not we there are a lot of social organizations that have as their mission maybe is to provide a place for kids to get off the streets. And they want to provide a place for kids to come and, and uh, you know, they, they, that's their mission. There are some places that their, their, their mission is to provide a place where uh, single mothers can go and have a place to be safe. Uh, many times coming from abusive situations and situations where they need, to, uh, they need a place to get out and be somewhere today. And they have as a mission to provide that. And that's needed. It's needed. But each place has their own kind of a guiding mission statement. And that's something that guides their overall program. Everything that they do fits into the function of the mission. The mission. What is their mission? You know, down at the Kara's house, down in Baltimore there, where they provide a place for ladies. You know, their overall mission is to provide a place for ladies. They're not going to open the Kara's house to a man because... He has a, well, I need a place to stay. Last, a few weeks ago, we were down at the mission and holding a service. And uh, there was a guy that wanted in. He was banging on the door and he's like, hey, let me in. You know, and they're like, nope, you can't come in. It's too late. You got to get here earlier. You can't come in. They have a program there and and the guys have to be in at a certain time and they lock the doors and they spend the night. And, uh, but, you know, if they want in, the guys want in to the carer's house, that doesn't fit into the mission. But wait a minute, you can't turn him away. That's a nice, that's a, that guy needs a place to sleep tonight. But he doesn't fit into the mission. Our, we want to provide a safe place for ladies. Now there's a place for him. He can go down to the Baltimore mission, mission and there's a place where he can go, but you can't get into the ladies' mission, right? So what is it that guides us, our, our overall mission? Um, the local New Testament church, I want you to understand, is God's plan for the work of missions. The power of God and the blessing of God flows through the local church. When we're talking about this idea of worldwide missions, accomplishing this this mission that God's given us here in Matthew, it comes through the church. I want to encourage you and to keep that in your heart and mind. There's a lot of what you call parachurch organizations, groups that have 
great intent and many times provide good services. But I want you to understand the work of God. God blessed, died, and gave himself for the church. And he set the example uh, of the local church as the organization, the organizational hand through which this work of missions is to be accomplished. And so missionaries are to be sent out from the local church. So our missions program in the church is guided by our overall mission. Missions is the way in which we send forth people beyond the borders of the church to proclaim the gospel with the intent of winning converts and discipling them in biblical truth. I know that was a, maybe a wordy description, but the idea of going beyond our borders. So, you know, some churches, and maybe you guys have seen this. Any of you ever seen some, a church that has above their door on, as they're exiting and says, you're now entering the mission field. And that's the idea is beyond our borders, when we leave this parking lot, when we leave this immediate area, we are entering the mission field. It's not just over here, uh, you know, in uh, Australia. It's not just in the Philippines. It's not just in India. It's not just in Israel. When we cross out over here, our mission field starts right here in Cockeysville. Our mission field for some of us starts in our own families. We've got lost uh, family members that aren't on their way to heaven. They don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, our mission statement as a church is to reach those nearest our neighbors, and all nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it starts with those that we're closest to, our own family members. We go beyond our borders. There's the sending of out missionaries, the witnessing and the winning and the reaching of the lost for Jesus Christ. I want you to know this is not just a passive thing. It doesn't just happen. It's something that has to be pursued. Now, the term missionary, we have missionaries we support, right? The term missionary is not found in the Bible. You don't, you don't see that term in the Bible. You can do a word study, and you're not going to find missionary. So why do we do that? Well, the, that term or the idea of fulfilling the mission is where the missionary comes from. And the example that we have, there are several, but one would be Philip. Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter 21. Uh, he fits the description of a missionary. That, that example given to us where Philip was a member, an active participating member of the church in Jerusalem. And then he went out from Jerusalem. He was sent out. He left Jerusalem to preach the gospel. It says in, Matthew, or in Acts chapter 8 verse number 5 in many villages. He went out to preach the gospel and, and to present that. Then he came back to the church. And you guys know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch where he was sent by God to the Ethiopian eunuch, somebody that needed the gospel. Again, he left Jerusalem. He left the church he was in and went to preach the gospel. Um, you know, of course, the life of Paul. The greatest, from our terminology, missionary that there ever was. His life was literally a life of going out and reaching the lost, carrying the gospel to the Gentile world. This is the idea of missions and missionaries that we have. So what is the principles that should be guiding us? We see in our text verse this morning, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go ye therefore, go ye therefore. You see, this is a command, not a suggestion. Now, let me say, let me point this out and you're going to say, man, I can't believe he said that. Uh, but you notice the absence in this verse 
of any command or instruction regarding giving monies to send other people. Okay, now we believe in faith, promise, missions, giving, and we're going to have an entire lesson where we're just teaching on faith, promise, and what that is. But what I'm saying here is that here's a command, go ye. He did never say, or you could give some money and send somebody else. And a lot of Christians like to appease their conscience regarding this command to go by saying, oh, I'm going to give some money to Fred, and Fred, you're going to go in my place. You're going to go for me. Now, this is literally what missions is, because I can't be in India. We give some money to a missionary. Our, our command as a church is to reach the world. And I can't go to India, so the way that I'm going to reach the world is I'm going to have a small part in helping somebody else go to India. And he is going to India in our place. So we give some money to help him go. And he goes to India and he preaches the gospel in India and preaches the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ or any, anywhere else. Somebody asked last week, who's going to Maryland? I, I say, well, hopefully we are. <laughs> That's our job. Maryland's our mission field, amen? That's our home mission field. That's where we, uh, you know, each one of these is, is representative of a missionary we support. So they're wondering, uh, who do we support in Maryland? And, uh, of course, we obviously support our church, but we have the bus ministry that's the kid around the corner. And uh, they go out into Cockeysville, and so we do support that bus ministry to, to go out into our uh, area and just to help provide a means to get kids to church. But uh, we, we see here that Christ's final words to his apostles was to go. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You say, well, that was to the apostles. That was not to us. But notice the concluding thoughts here in verse number 20. He says, and I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So by him including those words, I don't think he was telling the apostles that they're going to be around at the end of the world. No, he was saying as believers, as saints... As you're fulfilling this commission, know that I'm with you. Just like I was with the apostles, just like I was with them, I'm extending this commission to all believers and know that I'm with you until the end of the world, until he comes again. We have this command. There's three instructions or actions that are required of us here regarding this command. Uh, there's three of them there uh, to try and make sure that you guys are awake. Somebody tell me what's the first one. It's blatantly obvious. Don't feel like it's a trick question, <laughs> Aaron. Go ye, therefore. Go ye therefore. That's the first action that's required. We, we've mentioned that already. But the action is, is that we are to be going. Many believers are willing to participate in missions in many other ways. But very few are willing to go. Praying is good. Praying for our missionaries is good. Praying for the mission field is good. Praying is needed. It's uh, through prayer and fasting that the work of God is done. How many agree we should be praying? How many say praying is going? 
Praying's not going. Praying is good, but praying is not going. Giving is good. I think we should be giving. But giving's not going. Sending gift cards and presents to the missionaries and being an encouragement to them, that's good. But it's not going. You see, we have that first action that's required of us is that we are to be going, going to the lost in some means, providing, uh, going outside your comfort zone, going uh, outside your, you know, one way you can go. And I know there's many of you in here that do this. Is by putting a gospel track in every one of your bills as you send them back in. Now we're now all digital and it's online and less and less contact and less and less opportunities to do that. But you put a track in there and you mail it back. That's one way of going. Another way of going is, is when you're out at the grocery store and you hand a track to somebody as you're checking out. Hey, can I tell you about the Lord? Tell you about Jesus or invite you to visit my church. I'd love to have you sometime. A way of going. One way is going is putting John and Romans out. By, by putting them out there. By the way, John and Romans assembly is a great thing. We need the John and Romans. Uh, there's, it's part of the overall program is we've got to get those John and Romans put together, assembled and bagged and ready to go. But that's not going either. We need people to clean the church. That's necessary too. It's vital. It's important. But that's not going either. I'm saying as Christians, God commands us to go. Every born-again, Bible-believing Christian, somebody that claims the name of Jesus Christ and says, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, God's forgiven me, should be involved in going in some aspect. That's what missions is, is going, and it starts with us. And then the second thing, what does he, what does he say uh, here the second thing would be? Teach. The second action is to teach. So we ought to be teaching them whatsoever things I've commanded you, teaching them all that the Bible has to say about the Christian life, teaching them the truths and the biblical principles. And ultimately, the, the, the goal would be that we reach somebody, we get them saved, you get them soaked, and then they sit for the rest of their life. Is that right? No, no, we begin to teach them and hopefully the time will come where they, they kind of grow in the Lord and become excited about what God's doing in their heart and then they begin this mission of reaching the lost, of reaching others that are on their way to hell without Jesus Christ. But you understand, teaching takes time. It takes a lot more time than going. Teaching's the hard part. Going, you can take a Saturday morning and go out for an hour and hang out John and Romans or knock on some doors and, and, and you go and, and you, you, you put out something and say, okay, I went. But this idea of teaching is kind of a, a, a long-term commitment. That's what we're to be involved in. Everybody in the church should be involved in, you should either be discipling somebody or being discipled. Everybody should be involved in some way because we've been told to go. We've been told to teach. So who are we teaching? 
Who are we discipling? Who are we bringing along in their faith? Who are we encouraging in the Lord and, and helping them to understand biblical truth and sharing with them doctrines and philosophies and ideas that God has instructed us in? It takes prayer and it takes patience. And the last one there is to preach. This here is the ministry that God has given the church. We're, we're to preach these things. Now, this is in Mark 16, 15. He says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The other place where we find the, the great commission given to us. So in Mark 16, 15. So we're to preach. Now, this is the ministry of preaching. I don't understand why, uh, but it's God's plan. And he says he uses the foolishness of preaching. To me, it seems kind of crazy that a whole group of people would come and sit down and listen to me expound biblical principles for 30 or 40 minutes. But it's God's plan. And he uses it in the heart of people. God uses that. Just, it's, it's God's way of the Holy Spirit combined with the, the message being portrayed uh, verbally uh, just does something in the hearts of people. Why is it in the middle of a service you'll, you'll, you'll see somebody just break down and begin to cry? Bringing about great change in their life. Why is it at the conclusion of a service we have a moment of invitation and people would leave their seat and come down here and bow before God and in front of everybody and, and say, Lord, I need to change this. Because God uses preaching. Preaching to speak to the hearts of people. Then I want you to see, lastly this morning, the prophet that comes. There is great profit when we fulfill the Great Commission. When we faithfully obey God's command, the New Testament church is benefited and blessed. First of all, I want you to see that missions exalts the cross. This idea of missions and going out into the world and preaching the gospel, it is literally lifting up the cross of Jesus Christ. And God said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And that's our goal when we go out, is to lift up Christ, to point people to Christ. I tell people we've got a great church. I'm, I'm a little biased. I think it's the best church in the world. It's a great church. But Hunt Valley Baptist Church can't take you to heaven. Our church can, can't do anything about it, but we can point you to the one who can. And that's Jesus. Our goal is to lift up Jesus Christ. Not to lift up Pastor Caleb, not to lift up Hunt Valley Baptist Church, but to lift up Christ, pointing people to Christ. And if the church can be used to minister, then we praise God for that opportunity. But missions exalts the cross first and foremost. In Acts chapter 5, verse number 42, he says, And daily in the temple and every house he ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. That's the goal, is to present Christ to the lost and dying world, the one who died and gave himself for the world. Missions exalts the very character of God. You know that missions is the heartbeat of God? It started because he sent his son. Jesus, you could say, was the first missionary. He left his home and came to the world when God sent his son into the world to die and give himself Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for a friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. It is the very character of God. 
John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's the character of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. That's the character of God. And when we are participating in this idea of missions, we're showing the heartbeat of God. We're showing the love of God to the world. God showed his love when he created man. God communicated his love to his people over and over and over again in the Old Testament. We see the examples of God loving his people, how he protected them and provided for them. Over and over again, you see that. Romans 5.8 says, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God showed us his love when he sent Jesus. Jeremiah 31, verse number 3, says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. The love of God is everlasting. This is the character of God, and the, the, the focus and the heartbeat of missions as we go out into the world is we show that love to the world. They get to see that. We know that God is not only love, but God is light. And this is very important. Uh, if you have your Bibles, look at 1 John chapter 1. I've been, I've been cranking along and you guys have been listening really good, but let's, let's have you look at it. Somebody want to read 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5? And somebody can read John 8 and verse number 12. So 1 John 1, 5. And then the book of John, not 1 John, but John 8, 12. Who wants to read 1 John 1, 5? All right, Grandma Sarah will read 1 John 1, 5. Um, who wants to read John 8, 12? This is why you guys sit in the back so you don't have to read. Okay, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron will, will read that. So let's start with 1 John 1, 5, Grandma Sarah. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That God is what? Light. light. Yeah, God is light. We know that God is light. Um, and then John eight twelve, Aaron. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. You see, he says, I am the light of the world. And this is important that we understand this truth. Because light, morally speaking, is holiness. Light is representative of that which is pure, that which is holy. And you see, if God was just love and not light at all, there would be no need for repentance. But because God is light as well, that is God is holy, God is pure, he is sinless, light reveals uh, the imperfections. God is light and, and his light shines into our life and we see the things that need to change, the things that shouldn't be there. The things that God would look at and say, oh, this is not pleasing or this is a transgression of the law. So that light reveals that to us. And because God is light, it shows us 
that we're not perfect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God's light shows us that we need God's love to be forgiven of our sins. That's what missions is, as it goes into the world. Shows the world that they need both. And missions meets this universal need that the world has. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, can somebody quote that? Starts for all. I figured most everybody in here would know that one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. You know, I was shocked when I looked up this week that we have crossed 8 billion people in the world. There is, I wrote it down here, let me look at it, 385,000 babies born every 24 hours in the world. 385,000 babies born. I was shocked. The last time I looked and in my mind, I mean, I thought, I, I knew we were over 6 billion. I thought, well, there's 6 billion people in the world. And I thought, well, maybe six and a half. I looked it up and we crossed eight. It, it's growing. 385,000 babies born every 24 hours. You know, every one of them are born with a soul. And every one of them is born a sinner. And they need the message of Jesus Christ. That he loved and gave himself for them. So that they can be forgiven. That's what missions is. It meets the universal need. All of the world, every man needs the truth. That Jesus died for them. You see, their greatest need is to hear the gospel. It's because hell is real. Without Jesus Christ, men spend an eternity in a place that was created for the devil and his angels. A place that burneth with fire and brimstone. A place where the fire is not quenched. That place where men spend eternity if they don't accept Jesus Christ. And his payment for their sin. It doesn't cost them anything. They don't have to work to earn it. For by grace are you saved by faith. Not of works. We're not saved of works. Only through Jesus Christ. But somebody's got to go tell people that. You know most of the religions of the world are based on works. Most of the religions. Man made religions are based on a performance. If you do a certain amount of good. You can earn your place in paradise or whatever they want to call it but the truth of the word of God is is that Jesus paid it all for us he paid a debt he did not owe I owed a debt I couldn't pay but Jesus he paid it for me that's what missions is about carrying that message to the world because it's a universal need that universal need requires a universal answer And Jesus was the answer. He can forgive man's sin. Wash him, make him clean. Luke 9, 19, verse number 10 says, But the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he came for. Missions is the work of going into the world and giving the truth that men have sinned. We've transgressed the law, the law of God. 
But our relationship can be restored with him when we accept Jesus, God's gift of eternal life, God's gift of forgiveness. Then through the preaching of the gospel, men are reached and churches are planted and more people are reached and churches are planted and more people are reached. And that's the goal until Jesus comes again. As we wrap things up this morning and conclude, I just want you to know why we do what we do. Why do we put these flags up? Why do we give towards missions? Why do we talk about missionaries on a regular basis? Why do we try and keep it in front of us as a church and uh, something that's so important? Because it is God's great commission. Should be our first mission as a church. So it's the guiding principle, the overall mission of the church is to be accomplishing that, reaching the world. There are other organizations that provide great social programs. There are other places, other things that provide food for the needy. Some people say, boy, man, that's good. We need to be feeding the poor. It is good. But what is man's greatest need? What is his greatest need? Jesus Christ. So the mission of the church should be to provide man his greatest need. To meet that need through Jesus Christ. We got to be careful that we don't get out of focus. You know, an organization, a group, a church, whatever it is, you're going to get what you put a priority on. You know, if we had here at the church, we had an overriding goal and program of, of feeding the needy. And we had programs each week where we went out and, and we set up tables and we had food kitchens and we had lines set up and we're out feeding people every week. Um, those are good things. You know, we would have a lot of people in the church would get a heart for it and they would get out and they would participate in doing that because that's what the church is focusing on. That's what the church is putting a priority on and it's impacting the lives that it has an area or ability to influence. But we don't do that because we know that man's greatest need is not to eat. What should a profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So his greatest need is that we tell him about Jesus. Now we can set up a table and we can provide some food and say, hey, we want to give you this food. And the reason we're here is because Jesus Christ sent his son to die and provide eternal life for you and forgiveness. And that that can be a tool and a means through which we give the gospel. But the goal is not just to feed their belly. The goal is to give them the gospel. That's the overriding goal. Why do we have a, a, a honor you the police Sunday? Honor our first responders. The faith in blue Sunday. Is it just because it's good to honor the police? It is good, and that's important. We want them to know that they're, they're loved and appreciated. But our goal as a church, the underlining goal, the reason that we do that, is so we can tell them about Jesus. 
What, what good is it if I pat him on the back and say, boy, you did a good job. We really appreciate you keeping our, our streets safe and don't tell him about Jesus. And next week he goes out there and gets shot and killed and spends an eternity at hell. And I had the opportunity to tell him Jesus loved him, died for him, would forgive him of his sin. And when he died, he could know he was on his way to heaven. And I didn't do that, but he felt good for the day. I patted him and he got a good pat on the back. You see, our our goal as a church needs to be right. Our focus needs to be right. That's what missions living is. It's got to be part of our life, an overriding focus of our church. Is missions a priority for you? Every believer has to make it a priority in their own life. We can set it as a priority in the church and we talk about it and we focus on it and all that, but is it a priority in your life? I hope so. It's God's command. It's given to all of us to go to the world with this message.